Good morning. Welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Today we begin a brand new series, working through Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. As Paul ministers through his chains in prison, he's touched by the love of this generous church. And he begins his letter to them by highlighting the characteristics of his partnership with them in the gospel. Thanks for joining us today as we spend the next few extended weeks journeying through God's truth, one verse at a time. So we went to the beach, because, you know, that's what you do when you're in the Bahamas. And on this one particular day, it was just Micah and I, Sadie and Emily, had flown back, and we decided to go for a long walk. Um, The only trouble with taking a long walk is that you have to walk back. But that's fine, because you're on a beach, and it's lovely. Unless you cut your foot, and sand gets in it, and it really hurts. And then on your way back, there's a rainstorm that happens to overtake you. And here Micah and I are a good mile and a half down and hobbling back in the pouring rain. And it just reminds me that, you know what? It's better to have two good legs than one, isn't it? You didn't know this would be a biology lesson today in in church, right? But two are better than one. In fact, two that work properly are better than one. Anybody who's married knows that dysfunction within the home is very hard because you don't have... Two working together because two are better than one. The same is true within ministry. Uh, If you imagine we would have someone to come and try to stand up here on one leg, or someone come and stand up here on two legs, who's going to last the longest? I hope you know that God has given you His Spirit and He has left you here for a purpose. It is, it is not a possibility in church to come and to leave and not know that God has you here for a purpose. But in ministry, especially when you're striving to honor God, the evil one will do everything possible to discourage you. Do everything possible to cause you to question what it is that you are here to do. In service to Him, you will find a target placed upon your back and discouragement will be right around every corner. And if you are by yourself in ministry, do you know what that's like? Like one person trying to, trying to make it only on one leg. When Jesus was modeling before his disciples what ministry looks like, he sent them out. Do you know how he sent them out? Two by two. He sent them as pairs because two is better than one. And when you serve in ministry, you will find that if you're by yourself, And those moments of discouragement come. And that target on your back seems all too near. That it's difficult. And you'll find discouragement to come your way. And you may, in fact, begin to question, what what is it that I'm trying to do here? But if you have a partner in ministry, if you have somebody who's like-minded to stand alongside you, to work with you, what you will find is that this particular fashion of ministry that God has ordained in partnership is one that will lead to sustainable, successful fruitful work for God. But that's not common in our world today, right? Because in America, we got to be the lone gunslinger, right? We got to be the maverick. We got to be the one who can do it all on our own. And so this message is really the beginning of a series looking upon the emphasis of partnerships in ministry. We're we're starting a brand new series that's going to carry us into the, the new year on the book of Philippians. 
Um, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there uh, with me. We're going to start right at the very beginning. Page 1825 in the Pew Bibles. And as we seek to um, uncover what God would say to us today, we need to root ourselves back into that original context in which Paul writes to this church in Philippi. Um, he's going to uh, seek to help them see uh, the world in a different perspective because they're confused on a couple of things. The, the first and foremost is Paul writes this letter from prison. Can you imagine that? Imagine um, Tom were to get up here again this morning and say, Pastor Ryan's not going to make it today. He's locked up in the clink. Right? Everybody here would really start to question why, but hopefully immediately after that think, well, that can't be good. Uh, the Apostle Paul is going to help the church to understand that just because our circumstances look difficult or discouraging, that doesn't mean the gospel has been hindered. And that when there's a partnership within ministry, you can sustain yourself through that. that that's a big part of this message that we're going to see. Did you know that there is a draft horse uh, that they use to pull heavy loads, a kind of a, a farming horse? And anyone worth their salt can pull about 8,000 pounds. About 8,000 pounds for one horse. But do you know if you link up two horses, how much they can pull? Now, some of you might be doing some quick math in your head, trying to think, well, that's about 8,000 8, plus 8,000, about 16,000, right? Two horses linked up together can actually pull 24,000 pounds. Now, try to do some quick math on that. What does that actually show? That when you have two pulling together, it's almost as if there's a third that's present there as well. And I, I want us to look with a, with a heart afresh, listening to the Spirit today, for how every one of us in here is called to a ministry. Again, it's not a possibility for you to come to church, receive the Holy Spirit, and let that just remain with you. God has you here for a purpose. But if you're by yourself in ministry, you will find that you're only, at best, able to pull what one can. But if you have a partner... And if we have partners in ministry, we'll find we can do so much more. Uh, Curcio applications are all right. That's coming here in February and March uh, for the ladies. And I am partnering with Lee Liverance. He and I are going to be the spiritual directors. He's the pastor over at Zion Lutheran, just over in Metropolitan. In addition to that, you may know of uh, Pastor Joe Basso over at Felch Mountain. Or um, uh, we have uh, Ben Aho over at Foster City. These, these small North Dickinson churches. Well, Ben and Joe and I partner together in the Antioch program to teach together. I'll tell you this. Knowing that I have these men that I can count on in ministry makes it so that my burden isn't as heavy. And, and this is the question that we're going to work towards uncovering is, do you have somebody who's working and pulling together with you in ministry? I, I want you to have that perspective as we look at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians 1, verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers, for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. All right, that's Paul's opening statement. And and in it we find this key thesis. In verse 5, the reason why he gives thanks for all of them is because of their partnership in the what? Did you catch that? Can't miss this now. Partnership here is not just, yeah, we're, we're buddies in this business venture we've started. Partnership when it comes to believers is a partnership surrounding the work of the gospel. One of the things that I'm, I hope to do, just because honestly it's a conviction of my heart, is to continue to expand our church's horizon to see that there is a network of churches around us that we can partner with. But do you know what? There are churches we can partner with that go even beyond the borders of our state or our country. This is a picture of uh, the kids uh, of the church where I was a preacher for the three Sundays where I was gone. At this Spanish Wells Church, um, I asked Emily if she could get a a picture of all these kids because before I left, Angie Applecamp helped put together um, pen pal letters from all of our kids to give to all of these kids. And before I left to come back here, all of these kids wrote little letters with the names of our kids. Now, that gets me very excited because this is an opportunity for partnership. This is an opportunity for them to see that there is a church beyond what we see and know. And they can begin to develop these friendships and relationships with people outside of our normal congregation. Now, here's a picture of the church where I was pastor for five years while we served in the Caribbean. And... Uh, you would notice, if you can look closely up on the ceiling, our um, ceiling fans. Those were donated from you. Uh, th- this, this church gets very hot in the, in the summertime. And uh, to help for air circulation and comfort, for the ease of worship, um, we gave out of our international missions budget uh, to provide those ceiling fans. So from that congregation, I bring you greetings this morning. And And thanks for all that you've done to support them. You you don't know them. You've probably not met them. But they're thankful for you. Do you know what that is, church? That's a partnership in the what? In the gospel. Where where one is hurting, right? Where, where, Where one has a need, the other one comes in to support. And this is something that we need to see as a pattern for our lives within ministry. Not just churches, but individually in our lives. That we would learn to look to have partners in ministry and people that we can rely on, people who we can trust, people who we know are going to be faithful and are going to be there to lend a hand. I've entitled this message simply Partnership in the Gospel. And this is the primary theme uh, that we're going to look at through Philippians. A few observations I'd like to make as we walk through this. The first thing, and I'm going to, I'm going to walk this down like they do in the late night shows. You know, top ten. Is that alright? So here we go. Th- these are the... Top 10 characteristics of a healthy church. If you, if you want a healthy church, then partnership in the gospel, first and foremost, needs to be continual. This was in verse 5. If you look again with me here, Paul says this, uh, because of your partnership in the gospel from when? 
Do you see that? Don't, don't miss this now. Partnership does not look like, look, I'll, get, I'll be there when it's convenient. I'll help you when it's, it's on my schedule, when it's on my timetable. That's not going to work. We need to be the kind of people who are willing to sacrifice, to give of our time, even when it's difficult. To say, you know what? I've committed to this person. I've committed to this ministry. I'm going to be there to show up. Now, granted, life is life. And this is why we have two that can always be there so that when one goes down, the other can show up. But notice for Paul, the joy that he feels when he prays for the church in Philippi is one that's recognized as a partnership from day one all the way to his jail time. They didn't give up on him. It is continual in his life. Number nine, healthy church is going to have a partnership that's completed by Christ. I I honestly can't emphasize this one enough. When you and I look to the work of ministry, you have to leave it to God. You and I are not in ourselves able to serve Him in this world by our strength alone. Notice what Paul says, verse 6. Being confident of this. He doesn't say how great you are. He doesn't say, oh, that Philippian church, those guys, they got the best guys over there. That's not what he says. What is he con- where does his confidence come from? Verse 6, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Look, it's easy to, to get, get discouraged. It's easy to get discouraged. In fact, it's far easier to get discouraged when you're just looking at men and women. Because we're going to fail. Turn to your neighbor say, you're going to fail. <laughs> That's right. It's going to happen. It's some, somewhere in ministry, you're going to trip up and you're going to have a hard time. But look here. It don't depend on you. Paul's confidence isn't in the individual. It's not in the man or the woman. Confidence is in God. For he started the work and God does not quit on what he starts. So the confidence here comes from uh, the ministry partnership as being something that's completed by Christ. Number eight. Healthy characteristic of a church means consistency. Look with me in verse 7. So you've got to remember, right now Paul is in jail. He, he's writing a letter to the church. And a little bit more background on the book of Philippians is the church, just as if you were to hear that I got locked up, hopefully you would either try to come visit me or send me a note or do something of encouragement, not disown me. No, we don't know that guy. Yeah. I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, that's not what the, the Philippian church, when they hear that Paul's in prison, uh, they put together a care package and they send it to him. Now, it's only the Apostle Paul who, when he writes a thank you note, takes four chapters to write a thank you note. But you know how long-winded I could be, so you never know what you might get. Um, Paul here is writing a letter to thank them, to thank them for this gift that he's received while he's been in prison. But Paul's job wasn't being in prison. Look again at verse 7. He says, It's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel. Now, for Paul, his title is Apostle. Capital A. uh, Highest level of authority for the foundation of the church. For God gave some to be apostles and prophets and the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That's his job, is confirming and defending the gospel except where is he right now? Yeah, he, He's not free to be, be traveling around to do that. He's locked up. If we are going to follow a pattern of a healthy church, 
Partnerships need to look consistent, which simply means this. Whether it's convenient or not, we serve. Whether it's easy or not, we serve. Uh, The Word of God says this. Be prepared in season and what? Out of season. That's right. There's a a time of year when the potatoes grow, right? And, And harvest time is then. Well, what if I want potatoes when they ain't growing? You got to go to the warehouse. That's right. I got to be prepared in season and out of season. There, there's a time when it's easy, and then there's a time when it's more difficult. Uh, a true partnership in a church says that I'm there behind you. I'm, I'm there together with you. Not just when it's easy, but also when it's hard. Paul had it easy when he was free to defend and confirm the gospel, but right now he's locked up in chains. And yet, he's consistent here. And the partnership with the Philippians is also consistent. There isn't this uh, devaluing or disowning of Paul because he's in jail. There's a continuation of the partnership. Number seven, it needs to be connected. In verse seven, at the end, we see this because you and I as believers are not to ourselves. You've heard the saying before, no man is an island. Come on, you heard that before, right? Here's the deal. In church, it's more true than anywhere else. Your life affects us. Your decision, they affect all of us. Because you are involved in the work of ministry, whatever happens to you ought to be something that happens to us. And this is only true when the church is functioning the way God made it to function, and that's as a family. Think with me of your family members. Anybody in here have somebody in your family that did something dumb? Yeah, Yeah, of course. At some point, every one of us has somebody in, in our family that something happened that, you know, listen, did it only affect them or did it affect you too? Because in a family, whatever happens to one happens to all. You can think about the, the links in a bike chain, right? If one goes down, the whole thing feels it. Think about the body. I got a little tiny cut on my foot. That affected the whole body because there's a connectedness that happens within ministry. It's not true with business. You've heard the saying before, ain't personal. It's just what? Yeah. That's not true for the church. Everything is connected as a family. And what one person goes through, whether it's joy, we rejoice. Or whether it's grief and suffering, we suffer. This is what it means to be part of a family. And for the Apostle Paul, this is what he says too. So the end of verse 7 says this. After he says, I'm in chains or defending the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. A partnership and a healthy church is connected. Number six, it's cascading. Verse 9 is an important turning point in Paul's thesis here as he starts out... His chapter. I want you to recall once more, the key idea is partnership. That's what we're talking about. But in this partnership, it's not enough for everything to stay nominal. Not everything to just stay at this level right here. Paul expects and he prays in verse 9 that their love will do what? What's it say? How awesome is that? I pray that your love will abound more and more. Um, I, I don't have quite the opportunity in the churches I serve at down in the Caribbean for that, that little moment of where we get to shake hands and hug one another. You know that moment? That's not my favorite part of church, right? Uh, because honestly, that's the precursor for what heaven's going to be like. Just this wonderful reunion where we get to be reunited with each other, to see one another once again. Your love is to abound. It's not just to stay here. It's to continue to grow. 
to abound more and more, to be cascading more and more. Do you know this? Love is the only thing that when you give more of it away, you actually get more. Do you know that? That's the only thing. The, the more that you continue to give away of love, the more love you will have in your heart. You won't ever run out of this. Paul wants the church to know in Philippi that his greatest desire for them within partnership is that their love will abound. And I'm calling that cascading. It's just continuing to grow from, from height to height, on and on. Number five, a healthy church is going to have partnerships that are cooperative. Now, I've got to take just a minute to explain this. And in verse 9, you'll see the way in which your love is to abound. All right, so if we're all on the same page, that abounding love, I, I, I'm all for that. How does that work? Does it just mean we hug each other more? What's it mean? To have our love abound more and more. Look again with me in verse 9. He says that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Knowledge and depth of insight. I'd like you to hold your place here and turn to the book of Romans, chapter 12. Hold your spot in Philippians. Go to Romans, chapter 12. The word here used for knowledge is epigenosis. And in the Greek, it means right knowledge. You need to think rightly. So if your love is going to abound and bound more and more, you can't think incorrectly. Um, Some of you may already just be obviously recognizing that if if I were to say something to somebody and they heard me the wrong way, love doesn't flow usually, right? When you don't understand something properly, love kind of has some hurdles to get over. So step number one is making sure that we understand things properly. Romans chapter 12. Verse 1, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, my brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Verse 2, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your minds. That's the same idea he's saying in Philippians. If you're going to let love abound, which was verse 1 here, right? Offering my body as a living sacrifice in partnership in the gospel with others. I'm here to serve because I love you, right? If that's what we want to do, the way that begins is not by thinking like the world, but having our minds transformed to think the way they should. That's this word in Philippians. Love will abound more and more, first of all, in knowledge, If you don't know of a need in church, can you meet that need? If you don't know of somebody who's hurting, can you be a comfort to them? You don't have right knowledge. You don't have an awareness of what is true and where you can fit into it. In fact, if all that's ever left is that we say the names of the people on our prayer list, but we don't actually know what it is they're going through, how are you going to help them? Your love, hear me now, your love will not abound. You, you won't even know what to do. It begins by having a right thinking. It begins by having an awareness of what is true. So go with me again because this is cooperative. There's two things that work together. First of all, love may abound in knowledge and depth of insight. Here, here's what depth of insight means. You won't know how to meet the need unless you know what God is calling of you. Do you know what God's put you here for? 
It's, it, it's general in the sense that you and I are to be salt and light. It's general in the sense that you and I are to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But God has gifted you specifically with skills and insight that not all the rest of us have. You have not only been positioned in a place of uh, influence within your community, but God has also tailor-made your personality and your giftings to fit a need that he has you here for. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says we are saved not by works, but by grace through faith so that no one will boast. It's the gift of God. For we are God's workmanship, hear me now, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. How does God know to prepare in advance the works that he has called you for if he has also not crafted you to meet those needs? I'm feeling preachy right now. Are you guys on board with me on this? He, you, you are called to ministry. I've said it a couple times. I'll just keep saying it. It's not a possibility to just come to church. You are called to serve the body for the greater good. Everybody has a different version of that. It's not just standing up here behind the pulpit. By and large, the fullness of church ministry is seen outside these walls. I pulled up this morning after shoveling my driveway this morning because you know what I hate? I hate when I get tracks on the snow. Anybody else with me and they like pile? I hate that. So I, I couldn't even get here on time. I'm out there fast as I can, huffing and puffing, sweat kind of coming down my back. Anybody else shoveling this morning, right? Well, I get here this morning and you know what I find? Mason Murray has got all of this shoveled. Can we show our appreciation to, to Mason for this? <laughs> Called the ministry... Sees a need, has the ability to meet the need. Knowledge, depth of insight. And what was Mason able to do? His love did what? It abounded more and more. It's the same message that we're given in Romans 12, that this happens by our changing our minds. Don't think like the world. The world thinks, how can you serve me? What, what good can I get out of it? That's how the world thinks. Paul says that's not how you're to think. For love to abound more and more, we have to change how we think. We have to have the right knowledge. We have to have the right insight. I'm calling this cooperative because they only work together. So if, if you can meet the need, let's say you have a skill and you can meet the need. Uh, Chris Mulder this morning uh, is very talented. She was tasked to serve in the nursery this morning because she's, she's great with kids. She can do that. But she is also on call for the ambulance. She knows what she's able to do, right? If somebody has a medical need, she's skilled. And some of you out here also are skilled in that. But what if the radio never rings? Can you meet the need? What if, what if the phone call never comes? Can you, you have the ability, but I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. That's not cooperative. Or maybe you know of the need. Hopefully nobody starts choking around me because I'd be like, I don't know what to do. Where's Chris? Um, you, you may know of the needs, but you may not know how you can meet the need. Do you see how we need both of these? They're both here. I just want to draw you one final time. Philippians 1, verse 9. Look with me one last time. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Partnerships for a healthy church are cooperative. Number four. It's clarifying. So here's what happens. When you and I are able to do this, look at the result. Verse 10. When you do this properly, you will be able to discern what is best. 
How awesome is that? Anyone in here ever question, what, what's God's will for my life? What, what is God's will for this city? What, what should I do right now? You, you and I are going to be continually confused on that until we are pursuing this cooperative type of partnership. Because when you do this, it becomes clear. Ah, this is what I'm to do. Mason saw that this morning. Chris Mulder saw that this morning. She's not able to serve. I don't know if I said this. She's not able to serve in the nursery because she got it called out on the ambulance. But they see how how they can meet the need. They see what the need is, and it's clear. I know what it is I'm supposed to do. My love will abound because of that cooperative nature of the partnership. Once more, if you will turn back with me to Romans 12. One more time. Hold your spot in Philippians. Turn back one more time to Romans 12. We read in verse 2 that we're not to conform any longer to the pattern of this world, right? How can you serve me? Don't think like that. But be transformed. How? In the renewing of my mind, I need to think rightly. Look at the next phrase. Then, what will happen next? If If I do this, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. Boy, what, what's God's will for my life? What, what, what is it that God wants me to do with it? You, you, you can read all the self-help books you want. You can ask all the spiritual gurus you want. You won't figure it out until you're doing what Paul is saying here in Philippians. Your love will abound in knowledge and depth of insight. Then you will have clarity. You will be able to discern what is best. This is, the, this is the best way partnerships work. It's when we're, we're hitting on all of these marks. All right, we're getting towards the end. Number three, it becomes cleansing. Uh, as he says that you'll be able to discern what is best, notice after this, you will be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. It's cleansing because as you and I follow after Christ, our behavior becomes a product of, of our character. Okay? So, so when your character changes, as you learn to show love more and more, and your behavior flows from that, you have action that follows from that, it will produce in you a purity of life, a blamelessness in your life. For I'm not serving myself. I'm serving Christ. I, I, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm tapping the brake pedal right now because my my preacher heart wants to zoom further into the book of Philippians. We're going to come back to this idea a little bit later on, okay? This idea of serving Christ is going to be something that uh, Paul helps us see with clarity in chapter 2. But I'm just going to tap the brakes right now. Understand this, though, that partnership in the kingdom of God for a healthy church, it's cleansing our lives. Because according to God's word, you will be pure and you will be blameless. Number two, it's crowning. Verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness. Uh, I'm, I'm choosing crowning here because in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul's last letter, he says after he's finished the race, the work of his life, the service that he did to God, he says, there is in store for me a crown of what? A crown of righteousness that will be given to me, and not only to me, but to all those who look and long for the return of Christ. There was a phrase that showed up in this passage that, we, that you might have missed. Uh, I, want, I want to see if I can draw it back out to you here. Um, he says in verse 6 at the end that he will carry on this good work until when? Until the 
until the day of Christ Jesus. You may also notice at the end of verse 10 that you may be pure and blameless until when? What is this? What's he doing here? This idea of until the day of Christ Jesus. Well, what is this day we're talking about? Well, what's this? Advent, right? What are we celebrating? His first or his second coming? We're celebrating his first coming. It would be foolish of us if in celebrating his first coming, we were not also preparing ourselves for his second coming. Paul's entire thesis for the entreatment, the pleading with the church to be partners in ministry is because Jesus is returning again. On that day, you want to be welcomed into his presence. On that day, you want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. But if you and I follow after our culture, if you and I follow after just what's simple and easy, we'll only be left trying to do it on our own. Paul's thankful there's a church in Philippi that's partnered with him. And everything that we have in the beginning here is seen in light and in view of the return of Christ. At which moment, if you do what he says here and partner in ministry, there will be a crowning. There will be a crown of righteousness. He phrases it, this word in verse 11, uh, with this word, fruit of righteousness. I love that idea, fruit, because uh, fruit comes from trees, right? Now, if I plant a seed, do I get fruit right away? No. No. There's time, there's growth that needs to happen. The same is true in our life. As we begin a path of obedience and partnership, sometimes that takes time, but there will inevitably come, according to God's grace in your life, there will be fruit that comes from that. Paul says this is what will happen in a healthy church. All right, number one. Number one, here we go. Partnerships in the kingdom of God are charitable. I I can't get around verse three and four. Look how he starts. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers, for all of you, I always pray with joy. You also see that the same idea is made evident for us in verse 8. He says, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. This is real personal to me. Because that's what I just got to experience. I'm, I'm so thankful uh, that you give me the permission to leave here during hunting season. I mean, come on. Right? We're not coming to church anyways. It's so sad. But I'm so thankful that you allow me to go back uh, to the Caribbean because I long for those friends of mine. Those churches are very near and dear to my heart. We were partners. And we are partners I have an affection in my heart that makes me want to be as charitable as I can because that's what partnership looks like. If you don't have this going on in your life, this is my challenge to you. If you don't long for anyone in our church or outside of our church, you are deficient. You're you're not to the fruit-bearing stage yet. This is the path that we need to follow for a healthy church where we look to work together with one another. Not hobbling along, trying to make it on our own, but having two strong legs that we can do it together. When one is weak, the other helps pick them up. For two are better than one. Let me leave you with this very short challenge. The application for partnering in God's kingdom, here's what it looks like. You need to develop ministry partners. I've said it four times. I'll say it again. It's impossible to come to church and not know you have a reason for being here. You have some gift that God has given you. For everyone, it's different. And again, it's not all upfront preaching. 
Ask God, what is my gift for being here? But if you really want to move towards maturity, to have a healthy church, don't do it yourself. Find a way to bring others in and join with you. Um, I was talking to Dawn just before the service, and she started to list all of these, um, not, not only our adult leaders who will come help with child care, because thank you so much to those, who you, those of you who come and help Dawn in, in leading in that, but she started to list some, some young uh, gals in our church who, who she's going she's gonna to bring in and, and can activate them and begin training and showing them through modeling what ministry looks like. It's a partnership. And you and I, we need to learn to develop ministry partners. It's best when it's from other churches. That's when it works best. I almost want to like cancel church sometime and just say, go to, a, go to another church. This, this, don't do that, though. I, but I kind of want to do that. Uh, because what I want you to do is I want you to have influence with other members of our family. I don't want you to leave Grace. But I want you to begin to unite and network with people of other churches. This is not the family of God right here. It's bigger than us. And I am sick and tired of the church in America forming its walls and its denominations around itself that say, look, you can come visit, but unless you become a member here, and unless you sign blah, 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 blah. None of that's in the Bible. The, the, the family of God is so much greater than the limitations that we have placed upon it. Develop ministry partners. If you don't have anybody yet, pray God will show you who that is, which leads me to my second one, which is you need to be praying for your brothers and your sisters in other congregations. They are your brothers. They are your sisters. It was, it was hard for me in going back uh, this time because there was quite a few folks who had passed away since the last year when I was down in the Bahamas. This one sweet old lady, she wears this big white hat every Sunday and she'd be the first to the line to give me a hug and she'd kiss me on my cheek and I don't really like that, but she's so... She's just so loving. Um, she passed away this past April. And uh, it was always just a highlight for me to get to see her joy every year. My, my heart broke a little bit when I heard about that. Uh, a few others I won't waste your time talking about. But understand that verse 8 is so very true for me. I long for them. I love them. And you should have the same. Loving and longing for people outside of who we see. It ought to happen here. I hope that's obvious. It ought to happen within our church, right? My challenge to us is let's broaden that beyond that. For the Apostle Paul, the church in Philippi went further than that. I hope you're not alone in ministry. You've got to answer the question, who is alongside you in ministry? When you close your eyes, who does God put on your heart to join you in ministry? And do you long for your fellow brothers and sisters with the affection of Christ Jesus, like Paul does? Your love will abound more and more as you begin to find out how God has wired you and the opportunities that he has provided for you to serve. That's Paul's prayer. May we follow in obedience. Will you pray with me this morning?